0: As part of the state budget adopted in 2023, the general minimum wage in New York is going to be increasing incrementally over the next couple of years and then tied to future economic trends. In light of this policy change, we wanted to explore another aspect of the minimum wage, specifically the carve-out for New Yorkers with certain disabilities. For more on that story, we're joined on the Capitol Press Room by Sue Ruff, Advocacy Director for the Southern Tier Independence Center. Welcome to the show, Sue. Oh, thank you for
1: having me.
0: So, Sue, what are the circumstances that allow a New Yorker with a disability to be paid below the general minimum wage and below even uh, the tipped minimum wage for the hospitality sector?
1: Those sub-minimum wages originally came about in the late 1930s. There was a Federal Fair Labor Standards uh, provision called 14C that was originally started for World War I veterans who had disabilities who were having a hard time finding work, and it enabled them to go into rehabilitation programs to be retrained. Over time, however, many of those people, after World War II, there were quite a lot of jobs, didn't really need that program, but there was a need for families who had individuals, often with developmental disabilities, to have a place for their family member to go during the day. Over the course of several decades, sheltered workshops developed, and they applied and got the 14 c contracts. They were also contracting with a number of employers that were looking for cheap labor. And they would get the contracts. Many of them were for manufacturing jobs. And if a person maybe had a low peace rate, they would be paid sub-minimum wage. It was supposed to originally be a model in which people would get training and then move out of the workshop into real jobs in the community, but that really didn't happen. And we're at a point right now in New York history where a lot of people have moved out of workshops are either doing community habilitation work one-on-one in the community or they are looking for work and getting some help in programs that are helping them find work that they would really like to do. Unfortunately, also in New York, there are currently about 29 agencies or organizations that still have 14 c contracts. So there's still a few more than 1,600 people in the state who work for sub-minimum wage, according to a report by the Department of Labor that came out in September of this year.
0: And what is the floor for a sub-minimum wage, or is there even a floor in terms of the bare minimum that can be paid as part of these contracts on an hourly basis?
1: There is no floor. Depending upon the work that they're doing, they can be paid pennies. (laughs) I knew a woman who had a, a job a few years ago Uh, And she didn't even make enough money over the course of a week to pay for her bus fare. It was a really bad match for her because she had a physical disability that made fine motor work very hard, but that was the work that they were giving her. This practice of paying people less has been going on for quite a long time. But one of the things that we have seen over the last few decades, basically since the late 1980s or 90s, is a lot of people who would like to work in the community are able to find jobs that they are highly motivated to do, interested in doing, and with some supports and with some customizing uh, and with some employers who are trying to find good workers, some matches can be made and people can actually find real work that they would like to do in the community.
0: Now for the types of jobs, though, that are currently covered by this exception and are overseen by typically religious, educational, or charitable organizations, are these the types of jobs that we would typically think of as worth a a traditional minimum wage? Or are these jobs that really only exist because of the loophole and without it would either be automated or done in some other capacity? That's a
1: hard question to answer unless you go and visit the 29 programs and see what kind of contracts that they have uh, that they are fulfilling. Sometimes they're packaging jobs. A lot of manufacturing jobs have been lost. And we hope that, again, that people can find jobs that they would really like to do in the community with the supports that they need. Some people actually can do self-employment with supports and Some employers are very, very open to individuals coming in and training them directly so that they will learn the job the the way that they would like them to learn the job instead of you're being trained over here in this site with the hopes that eventually you'll be able to come to my workplace and do it because that really never worked well.
0: So one of the supporters of the current dynamic is a former assembly member named Tom Abenanti, who's raised uh, children with disabilities. And he's made the argument that this is solely for people who want to work but can't work to the level of a minimum wage job even with reasonable accommodations. So what do you think of that idea that there needs to be a carve out for people who fit in that description that he's talking about?
1: I don't agree with him because I help people who had real severe disabilities find jobs and many other job coaches have as well. Often families are under a great deal of pressure. Parents have to go to work. They wanna have a safe place where their children can go during the day and turn to the workshops as a place where their young adults could go. However, people, can do all kinds of work and, and, and do it really well. There's a, a wonderful story that Kerry Griffin from the University of Montana told about a young man who had the ability to take apart small engines. He couldn't put them back together, but he could take all the parts apart. And he could lay them all out in rows in a box. So they tried to find him a job working for a small engine repair shop and the owner of that shop didn't want to have an employee he just he didn't want to deal with social security and workers compensation but they were able to come to a resolution the by having the young man set up his own business within that man's shop so you brought your broken small engine in and the young man would take it apart and lay all the pieces out and then pass the box over to the man who would put it all back together. And when you came to pick up your small engine, you got two bills, one from the man who took it apart and one from the man who put Mm. it back together. But they got to work together side by side and meet people in the community. So it is possible for people to live and work. Some people who don't want to work just want to volunteer and there are opportunities for them to do that in the community, it's hard because we advocate in every county that there should be community habilitation, experience training, ETP program, pre-vocational support, so that people who really want to work can find work to do.
0: Well, for those individuals who are currently getting a sub-minimum wage and maybe don't have the skill set to do a different job that might be worthy of a minimum wage or hasn't been quite figured out how to maximize their abilities, just yet are day programs the right alternative for those people or are the day programs just as problematic as say a job that pays subminimum wage
1: in situations where people with disabilities are placed in segregated or congregate settings that people really don't learn well in those settings but people can learn a lot in the community with supports they can learn an awful lot in one to one habilitation situations. Again, finding workers, that's a whole nother show because of the wages that are paid to community habilitation workers. People who have been working in sub-minimum wage were paid that because they were people with disabilities, basically, and their work was not valued.
0: Well, well I guess I ask, though, about the day programs because there's so much critique about those being just unconstitutional warehousing as they exist now. So if the alternative is that we basically eliminate jobs and they have to go to these really problematic day programs, would it just be better to maintain the sub-minimum wage jobs under the current landscape, assuming there are no major changes to the, the shape of day programs, for example?
1: They both take advantage of the individual. They both do. And neither one is a good solution. People learn well in one-to-one support settings and with appropriate supports and enough supports can certainly do quite well i have a family member i have a daughter who lives in her own apartment in the community she has multiple disabilities and she has three different staff over the course of a week who help her and she's a very active life Um, she had a brain injury when she was in her early 20s that and before that she had been self-employed So for her, as much as she would like to work, it seems to be a whole lot easier for her to do various volunteer jobs, but she's also very active in the community. And we've been able to find support staff to help her do that so that her life is is full. And for families that are looking for those kinds of solutions, it's hard. Um, It's hard in some communities, but it can happen and it can be done. And we encourage people to look to the independent living centers for support for your individuals, as well as to try to find things for your family member to do during the day that they enjoy doing. Sending somebody to do subminimum minimum wage or sending somebody into a large congregate, segregated setting, those are not options that those of us in independent living look to as good alternatives for people.
0: Well, finally, when you think about the landscape as it should look, is it just one straight minimum wage across the board? Or would you like to just see some sort of floor set with this new sub minimum wage or some sort of additional review of the work people are doing? I mean, what does the, the right solution
1: look like to you? Well, the right solution looks like nobody getting sub minimum wage governor, improved uh, opportunities for people in state employment in 55 B and C. The Medicaid buy-in has, has been increased. So as we look to the future of employment, we would hope that all people with disabilities who want to work would be able to be working at jobs where they made at least a minimum wage and not below.
0: Well, we've been speaking with Sue Ruff. She's the Advocacy Director for the Southern Tier Independence Center. Sue, thank you so much for making the time. I
1: really appreciate it.